Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Chaldean Priest Show. Look, could you please just give this podcast five stars and give it a comment? Because every time I say that, it doesn't really happen. So, yeah, let's get started. everyone had a good pleasant and safe fourth of july i did myself thank you for asking and you know it's always a good day when the padres win right the padres completely destroyed the phillies 11 to 1 and we're gonna start our new series with the washington nationals which will be pretty interesting so again hope the padres win i hope you're a padres fan if you're listening if not i'm sorry to hear that and it's never too late. So, like I always do, I'm going to be talking about the Chaldean liturgy today. Specifically, I'm going to be talking about the Basilica hymns according to the Chaldean liturgy. And today, it's going to be centered on Saints Peter and Paul. That's the Basilica hymn for today, and I'm going to really dive in as to what evil is, because this Basilica hymn will allow us to ask this question of evil. Okay, so why don't we get started? It says this, We are not ashamed, O Jesus, of your gospel. Cry out the true preachers, Peter, head of the apostles, and Paul, the teacher of the Gentiles. For in the great city of Rome, the course of their work was completed. Peter in the suffering of a cross, and Paul crowned with a sword. By the hand of the wicked Nero, the blood of the saints was spilled, and lo, an imperishable crown is woven for them. Okay, so this, obviously the theme in this Basilica hymn is the death of Peter and Paul. So that's what the author concentrates on. So we see right off the bat that uh, Peter, being the head of the apostles, so he's being acknowledged as the first pope, and Paul is being acknowledged as, you know, tradition says he was considered the 13th apostle of Jesus. But Paul spent most of his life preaching to the Gentiles and uh, to the Jews in some instances, but he was really known for preaching and being a teacher to the Gentiles. And then we see right after, uh, the author mentions the great city of Rome and how Peter, in the suffering of a cross, and Paul crowned with a sword. So, mentions how they both completed their mission in preaching the gospel. So, what happened with Peter? So, Peter ended up in Rome, and obviously, he was there was a big attack on Christianity during the early centuries of the church, and he ended up being crucified upside down. And Paul, I mean, we don't know with certainty as to how Paul died, but tradition says that he was beheaded with a sword. And I'm just going to go along with that tradition because I haven't heard anything uh, significant um, or factually correct with evidence that would say otherwise. So, and then we see, by the hand of the wicked Nero, the blood of the saints was spilled. And I'm going to save the last line for the end. So we see how Peter died, we see how Paul died, and we see how the author even goes to the extent of mentioning Nero. Nero, who was the fifth emperor of Rome and a very wicked emperor. So Nero was very ruthless when it came to Christians. And uh, 
like I said, he wouldn't hold he wouldn't hold off with Christians. So Christians in the early centuries of the church received a lot of persecution from Emperor Nero. Many people died, including many saints and martyrs. And that's one thing that I really want to highlight in this podcast today is a problem of evil. So nowadays we may see injustices happening in front of us or things really not happening the way we want them to happen in the church. And we all of a sudden call them persecutions. For example, if the church you go to requires you to receive communion on the hand, you call that persecution. Okay. And I'm only saying that because I've heard people call that persecution. And this was happening during the COVID times. If that's persecution, then what should the Christians in the early centuries think persecution is? Who are being beheaded, who are being stripped away from their families, and all types of other diabolical things happening to Christians because of an evil Roman emperor. That's persecution. And the question that I want to answer in this podcast today is, why does evil happen? So I want to dive into the problem of evil and see what God's position is with evil when evil happens, because this could be a pretty sticky topic for a lot of people, right? When someone endures suffering and evil in their lives or when they see evil happening, where is God during that time? And why is that happening? And what is the cause of that? And where is the good? Okay, so the way I'm going to be designing this podcast is first, I'm going to expound on the book of Job, the great book of Job. If you haven't read it, I highly encourage you to do so. And I think you're going to uh, be encouraged after this podcast to read it. And then I'm going to be diving into Thomas Aquinas and seeing how he answers this question of evil, the problem of evil and what to make out of it. So let's get started with the book of Job. So who was Job and what is the book of Job? So so we see the book of Job in the Old Testament. And who was Job? So Job was a Gentile. He was a righteous Gentile, actually. We could see that from the first chapter of the book of Job. And it's a has a very dramatic format to it. Uh, because what it shows is it recounts his life and sufferings. Um, and this is obviously happening in ancient times. And Uh, What he's also undergoing is some prosperity and also disaster and depression. And then finally, there is this restoration uh, during a period of painful testing by God. And this book is really seen as a masterpiece of world literature in the Old Testament because, uh, and once I dive into it, you'll know exactly what I mean, because it really shows a treatment of the problem of evil and gives a supplementation of the justice of God and how both of those work together. And we see this through the life of Job. So I'm going to be sort of jumping around in the book of Job, but I encourage all of you to read it for yourself. Um, And obviously, just because of the sake of time, uh, I can't read it all to you guys. So Uh, The book of Job, it starts the prologue, just like many other books in the Bible, and it begins by uh, showing the greatness of Job, right? And then right after, we see the testing of Job. So the first test is about Job's possessions, and the second is about uh, the person that Job is. And um, what then begins happening is there's this dialogue between Job and his friends. 
And just to give you a little nutshell of how that dialogue went. So the book of Job says that Elihu uh, was angry at Job because he justified himself rather than God. So after all of these terrible things started happening to Job, he started to fall into self-pity and depression and just in this gloomy state. And we see this uh, right after when he says, it profits a man nothing that he should take delight in God. So what he's doing here is he's revealing where his heart is because here he's showing that God is a means to an end as if God isn't a reward in and of himself. Now, I want to backtrack a little bit to really get closer to this problem of evil and how to answer it. So in the beginning of Job 1, Job loses his children and possessions, right? So we see in the book of Job that Satan is described as going back and forth on earth and from walking up and down on it, end quote. And this is apparently showing, so he's sort of making his rounds around uh, all of creation in search of human beings to basically accuse or afflict in some way, right? Because that's what the word Satan means. The word Satan means the adversary. In Hebrew, it's Hashatan. And in Aramaic, it's Satana. But what's happening here is very interesting because it's not Satan who brings Job to God's attention. But it's God who invites Satan to consider Job because what he's doing is he's pointing out that that Job's righteousness is uh, unique. And this brings me to the premise of this podcast. With that being said, is God permitting this evil to happen? Or is he causing this evil to happen? What's God's position here with what's happening with Job and the way Satan is dealing with Job? Because Satan ends up proposing that Job is only righteous because of all of the materialistic things and superficial things he has in his life. And if it weren't for that, he wouldn't be righteous. And what happens right after? God permits Satan to deprive Job of all of his earthly blessings. And it doesn't stop there. He then deprives Job of his daughters and his sons. And he ends up basically losing everything. And he falls into this great deal of depression. Now, going back to my first point, what is God's position here in this evil happening to Job? What is God's position when St. Peter was crucified upside down and when St. Paul was beheaded? And when all of these martyrs are being killed for the faith, St. Thomas Aquinas in the Summa Theologica, first part, question 22, article 1, talks about God's providence. So the providence of God. And what I want to turn to is the first part of the Summa Theologica, question 22, article 1. And this is on the providence of God. So in his reply to objection 2, He says this, Since God then provides universally for all being, it belongs to his providence to permit certain defects and particular effects, that the perfect good of the universe may not be hindered, for if all evil were prevented, much good would be absent from the universe. A lion would cease to live if there were no slaying of animals, and there would be no patience of martyrs if there were no tyrannical persecution. End quote. So here we're seeing Aquinas' supplement for 
what good comes out of evil things happening and that God permits evil things to happen so we can see the good that comes out of it. And St. Augustine qualifies this by talking about how evil is a privation of good and shows that evil cannot exist by its own, but rather it exists because there is an absence of good. And when there is an absence of good, that is called evil. That is the privation of good. And someone may ask, okay, God who is omnipotent and who has the capability to interfere with his creation and to stop bad things from happening and evil things from happening, like what was happening to Job, why would he not do that? So Thomas Aquinas says something, and this is right before the quote that I read you in his reply to Objection 2. He says this, Hence corruption and defects in natural things are said to be contrary to some particular nature, yet they are keeping with the plan of universal nature, inasmuch as the defect in one thing yields to the good of another, or even to the universal good. For the corruption of one is a generation of another, and through this it is that a species is kept in existence. So what Thomas is doing here is he's showing how things go wrong in the natural world. And just because they do doesn't mean that God does not exist or the good God, the infinitely good God that we know is not really as good as we think he is. But Thomas here, he's showing that, and by the way, a perfect example of this is Noah's Ark and the flood, where there was a flood that wiped basically all of creation, and God allowed this to happen. And what good came out of that? The Noahic covenant, which also shows us that God does not abandon his creation, but rather, and just like Thomas says, he allows things, things to happen by their nature in creation and is capable of bringing the good out of it. And that's one thing Job had a problem with. And that's why at the end of the book of Job, where he understands his faults and then he realizes why these evil things were happening in his life. And if it wasn't because of those terrible things happening, he wouldn't be able to see the good. And Job says this, Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. And you can see the humility here, where he's accepting that when he was complaining to God about the things that were happening in his life, he didn't really understand the full picture of it. And sometimes we won't understand the full picture of our own suffering, because sometimes we won't live to see the good that comes out of it but other generations will. And that was exactly Thomas Aquinas' point. And now just to wrap this up, I mean, I could go on with God's providence and evil and free will. And actually, maybe I'll do an episode on free will later. But it really is a mystery with how the first Christians in the world were willing to be martyred, even though they weren't going to see the good out of it. But their faithfulness to Christ and their witness to the faith was enough for them. And really, I hope 
we all can be that creatures one day. I know I have a long way to go, but we still have hope in Christ. So that's that. Um, again, this is a very dense topic. And if you guys have, I'm sure you'll have follow-up questions. Or maybe you just know everything. Who knows? But you know where to find me. But it's time for the lion's den. So one thing that I've noticed people are confused about is whether a lie is ever justifiable. Whether you're telling a joke, whether you're lying to your, I don't know, kids just to make sure you don't, you know, make them mad or sad or hear them crying or something, or whether you lie to avoid some big problem happening in the family or whatever it may be. But here's the answer. No. There is no such thing as a just lie. Lying is always bad. Lying is always sinful. St. Thomas Aquinas goes to the extent of maybe, maybe, maybe if you're telling a joke or maybe joking about something and there's a lie in there, that's fine to do. But even that is borderline. So hate to break it to you, but yeah, just don't lie. You know, be courageous. And um, it's a good habit, really. Not, I mean, not lying, but it's a good habit to be vigilant of telling the truth always. Because if you leave room for some white lies or some small lies or whatever it may be, you would be surprised how much more comfortable you would be with telling bigger lies. And of course, that leads to the demise of a person. But just stay away from lying. It's not good. It's not good for your soul. It's not good for society. And look, it's just not good in general. So there you have it. All right, like I said in the beginning, please give this podcast five stars, put in a comment, and let me know if you have any questions. But as always, this is Father Daniel with the Chaldean Priest Show, and see you next time. (music) 